0: I'll, I'll do i'll do it again tighter <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen we'll, uh, <clears throat> hey everybody welcome back onto to this moment the transatlantic bridge connecting stockholm sweden to harlem usa As our longtime listeners know, this podcast was born at the outset of the pandemic, but truly blossomed during the uprising of the summer 2020 and the global Black Lives Matter movement. Now, since the beginning of this podcast, there has been one dream guest that we have wished to have and welcome onto the podcast. And today, she is finally here. Tamika D. Mallory, who gave the state of emergency speech 2020. You remember it if you saw it.
1: Last night, we heard the president of the United States say that when the looting starts, the shooting starts, which we know is a reference to another racist time Mm -hmm. in the history of America where police abused our people.
0: It was a powerful and defining significant moment of last year and it is something that I know our kids will be watching 20-30 years from now. She wants to invite people who don't feel like we have the, the experience of having been on the front lines in the way that she and many others have been. She's just released her new book, State of Emergency How We Win in the Country We Built on Charlemagne the God's imprint, Black Privilege. And she is here, ladies and gentlemen.
1: We are in a state of emergency. Black people are dying in a state of emergency. We cannot look at this as an isolated incident.
0: Let's jump in.
3: We got royalty in the house. We gotta get. We gotta get going. We got queen. I know, queen man. G.
0: We got double royalty yeah. in the house. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Tamika.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk with y'all. You know, Marcus. Um, as far as I'm concerned, this is like a, a big fangirl moment for me. <laughs> you know, I'm usually outside of Red Rooster, like trying to get in, trying to get in. <laughs> like, one care they didn't they didn't know that I was important so they were like you're gonna wait like all these other important people but mm-hmm. I've had incredible moments downstairs for major events and also uh, Sunday brunch at the bar and um, and I you know I'm just I'm grateful to all the folks in Harlem you know Sylvia's is the place that I go it's almost like my kitchen mm-hmm. um, and I'm constantly in Harlem and it's good to just see that people we have. Uh, populated the space so it's really makes me feel good to be with y'all today too
0: Tamika let me just set it off and say that you know Marcus and I started this podcast in May 2020 and we were talking mostly about the pandemic how it was affecting us and then the murder of george floyd happened and one of the first viral moments other than the brutal footage of the killing that we saw was you speaking i believe at least i saw it on june 1st 2020. your speech uh where you talk about the state of emergency now we are almost less than a year or or almost a year exact from that moment and your book state of emergency is out Like, how is it even humanly possible for you to write a book? (laughs) And at the same time, you know, I've been following you on the Internet. I know you're in all the places in Minneapolis. You've been with uh, Breonna Taylor's family, like living the life of an activist, being on the road, dedicating yourself to this. And I'm sure all the blowback and politics involved in it. How are you able to block it out and write a book in the span of a year?
1: Jason. Let me tell you something. You're asking the question of all questions right now. I'm like so mm. happy you asked mm. because it gives me the opportunity to like lay down on a couch and 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 tell about my. <laughs> um,
0: yeah. <laughs> it was
1: really hard. It was really hard. Mm. It was an incredibly aggressive timeline. Um, you know, from the day of the speech, first of all, if you think about it. You made it seem like it was a year process, but it really wasn't. It was just a few months because from the day of this speech, it took a while before I got a book offer, right? And then once I had a deal and I was really close to signing the deal, I learned of uh, Charlemagne's first imprint, his imprint, Black Privilege Publishing. Um, and, you know, I w- when I learned about the fact that Charlemagne was I'm, you know, now going to be able to publish my book it took some time of thinking what is the right way. I had other black women that were asking me to work with them. So there was some negotiation, there was all types of things, but I chose to work with my brother who has been such a great support system for me so many years. Um, Charlamagne has really, has he's just done so much to try to uplift me and to try to get um, other people to support and to see the work that we're doing. And so I felt only right that I would have the first first of all the fact that he was even willing to take a chance on a racial justice book the first book I'm a, I'm a new author and knowing that you know we, we weren't sure what would happen we already know that black authors and black publishers struggle and so now we're putting those two things together I was concerned I didn't know but he took the chance I took the chance and we're doing great we're number one in several categories right now so thank God for that absolutely but the but you know to 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 go through the negotiation process, which meant it was later in the summer before um, I actually signed a contract and started writing. And I was writing with another woman by the name of Ashley Antoinette, who really helped me. Um, She helped me to get focused, but I was also living in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, standing with Breonna Taylor's family and the local community on a regular basis. Now, I don't know if you know anything about organizing, but as you said, there are lots of politics their struggle. Um, there was surveillance by authorities and others that we've never really been able to figure out who those individuals may be. Um, we also dealt with, um, you know, a lot of attacks and, and also the interpersonal relationships of trying to operate in the town that doesn't belong to you. You're going into other communities and they, you know, and, and they want to know who are you and why are you here. Um, We didn't know Breonna Taylor's family, so we were getting to know them. Um, I was living in a home with three other individuals, the co-founders of Until Freedom that I love very much, but we don't, we've never lived together before. So this was a lot happening and we contracted COVID during the time while all of that was happening, but I still had deadlines of the chapters that had to be finished and I had to sit still and do that work. Um, And now if the book is out, like if it's in your hand, that means a few months it's been submitted and it's being printed and all of those things. So we're talking about a very short timeline, but after the speech went viral, it it was very clear to me that people needed it. They needed it and they were hungry for the knowledge, the information and the experience. And so it almost felt like it was my ministry to sit and work on this book.
0: Yeah. And I just want you to know, I'm sitting in Stockholm, Sweden right now. And, and that state of emergency speech on June 1st echoed across the world. And as you, I'm sure you're aware of, uh, black lives matter and that, that, that cry for justice for people of African descent and, and just uh, non-white people of the world, uh, was global at the inception of blm but this time around 2020 it was times 10. do you know literally you had thousands of people in this town tens of thousands of people out on the streets because of what they'd seen happen in minneapolis and that uh connectivity that existed in that. And I would say that, you know, hearing you speak there in Minneapolis, I believe you were in Minneapolis when you were given that speech, um, was something that uh, uh, put fire to, to, to all of us around the world. So I just wanna thank you for that.
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, yeah. I don't think it was just George Floyd. I think that was a part of it. But I think this has been building over time. Number one. And I also don't want us to forget mm. that just mm. months before, mm. people were running with mod. Remember, Ahmad Arbery had been killed. Um, and people watched the videos that were out there showing him, literally, yeah. I, I think Sean King was the first one mm. to put out videos that showed yeah. him being blown away, literally, after being hunted. Um, and, and, and sought out, sought after, and targeted by white supremacists. So that was one piece. And again, Ahmad, he was similar to Brianna Taylor, had been deceased for some time before people even found out about it, and before mm-hmm. his mother, Wanda Cooper, was able to get the type of attention that she finally mm-hmm. found from Lee Merritt and um, attorney Ben Crump, and again, Sean King and others who got Mm -hmm. involved Mm -hmm. and helped to make Ahmaud Arbery's name ring in society. Uh, So that was one. And now we're starting to find out. We're just in the process in these days while George Floyd has been killed. We're beginning to find Mm -hmm. out that a woman in Louisville, Kentucky has been shot to death in her home. Um, and now and then we we it culminates with this moment of George Floyd being mm-hmm. murdered on camera in the most painful way that any of us have seen. I mean, this is this is something that I think it, it was something that, you know, I, I don't think we have seen in, in the in the most gruesome nature since lynching.
0: There's so many avenues that I want to go down with you, Tamika. But but take us inside the book, you know, uh, the state of emergency speech and now. You know, you have the book in your hands. You're talking about it. You're all over the networks. It's out. It's it's on top of the charts. Uh, Take us inside the book for a minute.
1: There's a lot of good things in the book um, and a lot of great information. I do cover history to make sure, you know, Ella Baker once said that, you know, we have to really understand the history. It's not just knowing it, but it's understanding it. And so I think every time that we get an opportunity to talk about the history of this 400 plus year period, uh, since we were uh, stolen from our land and and brought here to a place that we've never been properly respected in and have never had equity and justice. Um, you know, I I do go into that, but I also talk about a prescription for working together uh, to to push past these things. What's the role of of each of us in the community? What is the role of uh, the relationship that we have with the Latino community, with the African community, with the the diaspora? If you if you will. What is the relationship there? Um, and the forward of my book was very, it was yeah. very intentional for me. I took the time to to track down and use my relationship with with uh, Charlemagne and then of course, uh, thank God, Cardi B actually Mm. follows me on social media and she and I had a number of conversations. And then I had to track down Dr. Angela Davis using uh, my friend Philip Agnew and others. And and I got both of these people to agree, incredible icons to agree that they would be in conversation with one another at the Mm. beginning of the book in this forward. Um, and for me, that was important because I wanted to set the tone uh, that when someone picked up the book, they're automatically, doesn't matter who they are, where they come from, what their background is, they could be the janitor mm-hmm. working in the church mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the pastor. It could be the doctor and, you know, a child on the street corner. It could be a mother and her and her son. Um, it could be a young girl working in a strip club that everybody would find themselves mm-hmm. in these pages. I really wanted to sure that this book was one that is for all of us, uh, that we all experience it together and that we use it as a tool mm-hmm. for how we move forward and how we actually one day receive justice and true equity mm-hmm. in America.
0: And I think that it's brilliant to start the book with the with the four words of, of a conversation of those two, as you say, icons. It's intergenerational. It's Angela Davis, of course, an icon from from the civil rights era and and with, you know, deep ideological roots to somebody who's more connected to the streets and to young pop culture today. But who is also I'm personally impressed by Cardi B. I mean, she's also in a way that not a lot of artists of her stature, uh, stature. you know, stuck her neck out and and talked and commented on politics along the way in these past four or five years.
1: She's not just commented. She's been behind uh, supporting families, supporting causes. I worked with uh, Alicia Keys, um, uh, Rhapsody, and a number of other individuals to pull a group together. And we worked on a public service campaign, if you will, for uh, Brianna Taylor, and specifically to push for mm. Brianna's law to be passed in mm. Louisville, Kentucky. It was legislation that was being worked on by a system um, named Katora Haran. And we worked together to ensure um, that this campaign would be one filled with the highest level voices. When you think about Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Jada Pinkett. um, I mean, Mm. I don't even (laughs) wanna get in trouble for trying to name Mm -hmm. all of the incredible women. It's something that I think if folks haven't seen Mm. it, they should go back and and look it up. Um, And the campaign was, do you know what happened Mm. to Breonna Taylor? Um, And uh, uh, Cardi was one of those that we we invited to be a part of it. She got on a call and literally reshaped the whole vision Mm -hmm. in just moments. She helped pull the ideas together, she gave direction, she gave her support, and of course she Mm -hmm. turned in her video. And um, that to me let let me know that Cardi is is much more clear about her role than many Mm -hmm. of us may think. She Mm -hmm. knows what she's doing. She understands that her music may not be uh, role model music. She knows that she's out here twerking and doing her thing. But I have to be honest, and I've been saying it everywhere that I go, because I want people to know that the reason why I chose these two individuals outside of the idea that I wanted it to be accessible, but I also find myself being a mixture Mm -hmm. between Cardi Mm -hmm. B and Angela Davis on any given moment, you can catch me twerking (laughs) and working, right? If I go to a new city, when I hit a new city um, and I'm Mm -hmm. working with the community there, I'm looking for the local Mm -hmm. juke joint. I'm looking for the local spots. You know, where does everybody go out? And i Mm -hmm. like to have a good time and that's okay. But I have a good time tonight and tomorrow morning, I'm back up on the battlefield. And I think that that is what we should focus Mm -hmm. our attention on more than you know, critiquing people for, you know, for, for things that we don't agree with. You know, I, I would say that this conversation between Angela Davis and, and and Cardi is so powerful because Angela Davis is telling her how important she wow. is to the movement. She's telling her that you have mm. a seat at the table. That is
0: profound because I think many people may hesitate to get involved in things because they may lack uh, knowledge, background, the proper words, the proper diction to to right. speak uh, uh, about topics, but this is a very inclusive and inviting way to invite the reader into your book. Um, so I,
1: yeah, I mean, I feel the same. I feel the same. You know, uh, when I'm sitting in certain rooms and I'm on certain TV shows and mm. and I, I feel at times I don't belong. I grew up mm, in the projects mm. in Harlem, you know, I'm a young girl who a baby at 18 years old. And within two years, my son's father was shot to death. Um, he was left in a ditch for two weeks before mm. he was discovered. Um, you know, that, That's my story, that's where I came from. I have a son mm. that's 22 years old. We literally have grown up together from uh, collecting food stamps mm. and welfare to mm. where I am today. So trust and believe that when I walk into these rooms, I don't always feel comfortable. I don't always have the right words. Mm. I didn't go to Harvard, although I did Mm. graduate from college. I still um, I suffer with those insecurities as well. But one thing I know is that my personal experience makes me Mm. more qualified than some people who've actually studied this work. And I think that when you put the two things together, the 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 study, um, and the experience that that's where you find uh, the, the path forward. And so, um, you know, so, so that's what I want state of emergency mm-hmm. to be for folks to be a place where you can look, you can read, and find yourself in the pages. I'm Tamika D. Mallory, and you're listening to This Moment. It's that time of the year.
2: amika let me ask you this i was thinking
3: so much just like jason now said we really followed you we really admire you being out there you admire the work the voice that you are Hmm. what was the conversation you and your son had you know by you being an activist and being out there very publicly he must have been worried about you uh can you let us in on some of those private conversations between you and your son
1: (laughs) this is a funny question marcus because let me tell you, the relationship between my son and me, we go just like every other parent, <laughs> up and down on a roller coaster. happy that he and I are speaking today because two weeks ago mm-hmm. we weren't speaking and it's the, it's the struggle and the back and forth of mm-hmm. real life mm-hmm. parenting, right? In which there are times when he looks at me and he says, you know what, like you're just way too much for me and by the way, you're acting like you're perfect mm-hmm. and you are not. And I have experienced a lot of things, you know, while going through your life with you. And yeah. I have to take that. I have to, I have to, you know, I have to honestly sit there and look at him and say, you know what? I respect the fact that I left you. Um, that's why I dedicated State mm-hmm. of Emergency to him. My book is his book. Um, and I did that because I wanted him to know that. In, in the moments when you were experiencing challenges, where you were playing basketball, where you were having a tough time with a teacher or another person, and even, you know, maybe my parents were getting on him too much because they that's mm. where he found refuge. um, mm. and had me, and, 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 and that's painful, and I get it. I understand, but I still demand respect, and I still demand that he go out mm. and do what is right. I still check him on his stuff. And so, uh, you know, he 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 gets he he tries to he used to he's better at 22, but he used to try to use my Uh issues against (laughs) me, and I would recenter the conversation. And my son comes from a family of activists. We were we were uh, raised in Harlem. I was raised in Harlem. My son in the Bronx. My parents have been activists um, my entire life. So at every corner that he turns, he's getting the knowledge. You know, he's getting the knowledge. He's around people who know the work, who understand what has to be done to fight for justice. And those kind and 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 he and he, he accepts it, he mm-hmm. honors it, he knows it. He understands clearly his role. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. he's twenty two. So you can't tell him anything <laughs> about how to do it, when we to all do been why to do it. It's his, his
0: <laughs> we all been there. And that's, yeah.
1: and that's that's what people tell me. They say, mm-hmm. go sure. back and think about your 22-year-old mm-hmm. self. And when I do that, it reminds me that I might as well just leave him alone and mm-hmm. let him do it in his own time. But, that's but, but clearly I do think you are what he's going
3: to do. Right? Which is really important. We needed, sometimes when we think about activism, we think about Martin Luther King, we think about the past, right? But the way you are out there, for me, it represents this moment so well because oh. the way you started it by giving that speech your your instagram connection yeah. the way you connect with cardi but still you don't forget about the past so you bring on a queen like angela davies for example so there's always this look back to the past but it's also present and future and i do think that just like we have to pivot what how we come back to the new normal activism is also in this intersectioning of changing how it can look like and feel like, and you're partnering with Charlemagne the God and his publishing company. So for me, there's many intersections of past, present, future, that this book mm. and your journey really represents to me, yeah? yeah.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, and I don't think it's a new model because, you know, Dr. King had sort of the, uh, the, 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 Entertainers mm-hmm. of his time, right? When you think about uh, the movie, I think it was One Night in Miami Cook. that mm-hmm. just came out, which is a great, film. and it shows Muhammad Ali, you know, in the mm-hmm. room with Malcolm X, right? Uh, and and Sammy Davis Jr.
0: Well, no, Sam it? Cook Sam Sam Cook, Cook. Sam Cook, it's right? In Overtown <laughs>
3: in Miami, absolutely, mm-hmm. and, and, right?
1: And Sam, right? And Sam Cook. Um, all in the same room, struggling and having conversation about the work. And then they're all going to approach it in different ways. And that's just a reality that we all have to accept that none of us is going to do it exactly the same. And in fact, the diversity among us is what will give people, give more people an entryway to get in the fight. We are, Oftentimes struggle with this idea, and I used to be this way, but I, I had to grow past it. Where I thought things should be done a certain way, and that was that's what I saw, that's what I knew. But that's exactly what I had to learn or, or unlearn. That it's not just what I know that will work. It is actually um, a, a, a sort of melting pot, and a soup, if you will, um, in the words of, of, of Marcus <laughs> Samuelson. You know, it is, yeah. it's a soup if you will, um, that has to be cooked up of different types of people that come from different backgrounds. But we all have to know that the goal is the same.
0: I think Tamika also just to also chime into what, what Marcus was saying, your speech on June 1st and then seeing Kimberly Jones clip, uh, uh, the monopoly metaphor, black women were much more at the forefront of being the most passionately vocal and, and kind of, captivating voices of the movement in 2020? I mean, being at the pulpit, so to speak, you know?
1: Black women have mm. always been the foundation. Mm. We were mm-hmm. always doing the work. We were always behind the scenes, mm. getting it done. There would not be a, um, I have a dream moment in the way in which Dr. King said that speech if it had not been mm. for Mahalia Jackson, who was standing off to the side, telling him, Dr. King, Tell, right. him mm-hmm. Tell him about the dream. Tell him um, about the dream. You know, people should look at that part of history where you know you can hear her actually calling out. He's giving a speech. The speech, of course, is great, but she wants him Ooh. to hit that key. Mm-hmm. You know, hit that note that she knows resonate. And so she starts telling him, "Tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream." That's a powerful moment where a woman helped to inspire Dr. King and mm-hmm. a king, if you will. Um, you know, to, to, to inspire the people. And so we know women have been there, but we are now being celebrated. We're being uplifted. Our voices are at the forefront. And I think it's, 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 it's incredibly important that we don't uh, marginalize our men. We're not here to do away with the men who have been strong advocates, strong voices and strong leaders my organization at Until Freedom, um, our, our co-chairs mm. are diverse, men and our co-founders, rather, are diverse, men and women. Um, and so I, you know, we, we want to make sure that that remains. But we also want to make room mm. for black trans women. We also want to make room for other members of the LGBTQIA community. We want to make room for youth to be at the forefront and not to have them feel as if they must take a seat at the back of the room and don't speak until your time. Their time to speak is right now in this moment. And I also feel like um, you know, we have to make sure that if we are looking for solutions, if we're talking about solution-based strategies, that we do that in conjunction, in collaboration, again, back to that personal experience with the Rayrays and Keishas of our society, because who better to sit at the forefront of planning and organizing than those people who are living in the communities being impacted on a daily basis.
3: Well, Tamika, hmm. I know we know you have to go. You're busy. You're launching your book. Uh, we thank you for coming on this moment. And a life goal for both Jason and myself is to take you to Stockholm and do an event with you in Stockholm. Because if it's any place that hears you but needs to really take in your message, it's a different conversation but we can learn so much from your journeys. We would love to do that. And congratulations to all you accomplished. We really appreciate you. And thank you for coming on this moment.
1: Thank you all so much. The two of you, you made me feel warm and fuzzy (laughs) inside. I appreciate y'all so much for having me on. I want to come back and I definitely want to go to Stockholm. So you set it up up and I will set
0: it up. Thank you for taking the time Tamika. just an honor to be in conversation with you Peace and we're behind you hundred percent. You know, thank so you. Keep Congrats on doing again. what Peace. you're doing. Peace thank you. The life of an activist, to me, is one fraught with strife, struggle. Uh, I'm sure with great, uh, you know, uh, energizing and love also, but. To anyone who immerses themselves and gives their life to a struggle in the way that Tamika Mallory does, sets an example for all of us. A special shout-out and thank you to Sheeta Carr for helping us set this up. A huge thank you to Tamika Mallory for taking time out of her virtual book tour and super busy activist life and schedule to come on this moment and speak to us. That, to me, I thought was Just very magnanimous and inspiring and and energizing to hear. Hit us up with your comments, your feelings, your reactions, your suggestions and ideas at thismomentpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you follow us on Instagram at thismomentpodcast. Peace.